Hello, mamas, and welcome to Bump to Mum, a podcast that has been created by me, Emma Coxhead, after the birth of my son, Louis. I realized that there was so much to learn, and it's hard to know where to start. Comfort came from me to speaking with other mothers and parents, and this is where Bump to Mum was born. Bump to Mum is a platform to share conversations we have with other parents, learn from experts in their field, ask questions, find answers, share experiences, and laugh and cry along the way as we try to navigate the maze of which is motherhood. Hello, I hope you're all having a wonderful week. I feel like touch wood, we have turned a corner in in terms of household bugs this week. I feel like it's been a few weeks of very snotty noses and just not feeling great, but I feel like we're on the way up. Um, the sun is out and I'm just feeling, I mean, touch wood, we're probably going to be sick next week, but <laughs> it's nice to kind of start feeling better after feeling pretty horrible for a while. So that's what's been going on with us lately. Um, I am so excited to share this episode with you. It's one I've wanted to record for a while one because it's something I really personally want to learn about in my parenting journey and I know it's one that has been requested a lot as well so I spoke to the lovely Renee from Little People Big Emotions. Renee is a certified parent coach and does a lot of work in the space of helping parents and families regulate their emotions so that they can help their children regulate their emotions and educate them on these big feelings that they're having and how we can kind of manage that in our day-to-day lives um kind of the gentle parenting approach while still having boundaries um renee kind of started out her account by having creating these peaceful corners in people's homes and she talks a lot about this in the podcast and she created these posters that help children identify on the poster how they're feeling and use that to communicate with us in terms of why they're feeling this way and understanding that as well so some amazing tools that she's created and yeah honestly I was scribbling down notes as she spoke because all of it I was just like oh my goodness like so many aha moments I'm probably going to listen to it a couple of times because there's things I want to come back to and make sure it's really cemented in my head and it's one of those ones that you know you can have all the, the tools in your toolbox but in a moment you could still snap so it really needs to be like second nature so I think you guys are really going to enjoy this um, episode I will tag Renee's account and website in the um, show notes as well if you want to um, get in touch with her for her resources or just follow along on her Instagram journey this episode has been brought to you by Edwards and Co. Edwards and Co. are a brand that I'm really stoked to be working with. Um, I have their Oscar MX MX stroller for Louis, and recently have received the Otto Travel Pram. Um, we're a family that likes to do a lot of weekends away. We have two dogs in tow, um, and with some travel plans coming up, we thought it was the perfect time to get a travel pram. Um, while we haven't been on those trips yet, just due to life circumstances and changes, as I've recently shared on the podcast with um, my mother-in-law, we had to postpone a trip to Japan, but we do have some more trips coming up later this year and next year, which we will be very excited to, to test the 
the auto out on the on the plane but we actually have been using it so much just around town weekends away um, it's suitable from newborn to 20 kilos so you get some really good range there it only weighs seven kilos so i've been using it a lot just going to the supermarket um, if i'm doing odd jobs around town rather than packing the full pram like louis getting too heavy for me to carry around for long periods of time now so I find it super useful to just be able to flick that out um, and pop them in while we're, we're doing doing odd jobs I also love that it really cuts down on boot space um, I can fit groceries all sorts that it's so compact and light and you can flick it out with one hand I look a bit unco doing it but you can do it um, so yeah it's been a bit of a game changer for us and like I said great for travel but also just great for if you don't want the full pram you're not going on a big walk you're going to be out and about for a while though and you don't want to carry your bub or toddler or child around the whole time um it's the perfect sort of size for that so um big thanks to edwards and co and let's get into this week's episode enjoy hey renee thank you so much for joining me on the podcast i would love for you to introduce yourself to everyone and tell us a little bit about yourself your family and your work awesome thank you so much for having me first of all really just really grateful to be here so yeah my name's renee i am um 27 years old i'm from a tiny small town in the north island called danny Burke. i'm actually surprised by how much people have heard of danny Burke and know where it is but yeah. um it's yeah it's it's a tiny town by palmerston north so i've lived there most of my life oh. um i'm yeah i met my husband in palmerston north um where i ended up moving and we had our first son there um who's now four and a half um, and we've since moved to Geraldine in the South Island. Um, it's like a 30 minute drive from Timaru. So we've been mm. here for about f- four years now and we've um, had our second child here, Lyra, who is um, two in December. Um, oh. Yeah. What else about me? Um, <laughs> so I'm a stay at home mum. I work from home. I have my small business, Little People, Big Emotions that launched um, nearly two years ago. And so I do that from home while the kids are sleeping. And um, I also have just become a certified parenting coach about a month ago um, after nearly two years of study. And so I've just started um, doing parent coaching one-on-one which is um huge learning curve but I'm really enjoying it and yeah well congratulations that's an amazing to kind of I like the fact that people can study and get a new career while being parents I just like hats off to you because that's a lot like how did you fit that in yeah <laughs> in <general life. laughs> yeah I know it's pretty crazy to think about it so yeah I launched so I launched my small business mm. um which yeah which is just crazy thinking back because I really had no idea what I was doing when I think Lyra I was 36 weeks pregnant pregnant with Lyra when that launched so kind of when it just started gaining a bit more traction it was like in the middle of trying to adjust to having two children and um I really honestly oh yeah and then I started my parent coaching training Mm. like when she was two weeks old um yeah it was and thinking back there was it was probably the most helpful thing actually because it was all about you know like regulating your emotions and how to deal with um yeah helping your children through their emotions adapting to change and so it was actually super helpful (laughs) um the training that I was doing with the stage of life that I was at but um Mm. 
yeah and I don't have any family or friends here where I live and so there was very little still is very little support um, in terms of helping out with the children but my husband and I have um, just a really great just partnership and he helps out so much with everything and I couldn't do anything I do without him oh that's so nice I'm I have so many questions I'm so excited to chat to you but why don't we start with like what your business is little people big emotions what do you do with that business and how what inspired you to start it and like how did it start as well yeah so um just simply we well, I always say we, it's just me. <laughs> it's just me with myself. I always use the same we do this, we do that. But yeah, so I created resources um, with a really great friend of mine who's an awesome illustrator um, to create calming corners in people's homes. So there's like feelings posters and calming posters and feelings cards just to help our children build their emotional intelligence skills. And so I started that and that was really awesome. But I just felt like I lacked a lot of... Um, what's the word, I lacked a lot of knowledge around how to help parents just get the most out of using the resources. So that's why I wanted mm. to start the Peaceful Parenting Training. Um, and I did that through the Peaceful Parent Institute here in um, New Zealand. Mm. Um, and it's run by Genevieve Simpreenham, who's actually Irish, but she's lived in New Zealand for a, for a long time. And she's just absolutely amazing. Um, and so... Yeah, that, that all started and it got into it because I I think my son was about one and a half and I had always, you know, told myself, I'm not going to yell, I'm not going to hit my kids and stuff because that's how I was brought up and I didn't want to do that. But I hadn't actually done any of the inner work, inner healing to bring that into fruition like I just told myself it wasn't what I was going to do but when the mm-hmm. push came to shove and my son started um, having more tantrums and things as one and a half two-year-olds do I was just kind of gobsmacked with how um, impatient I was becoming I'd never seen mm-hmm. that side of myself because I'd always been like a really calm laid-back kind of person I thought <laughs> And I was just really kind of taken back by how I was reacting to my son's um, tantrums. And it was, it was really, it was honestly really scary to see that side of myself. I just, I remember um, he was having a tantrum over something. I couldn't remember what it was. And words that my mother had said to me just flew out of my mouth. I didn't even have to think about them. They were literally right there on the tip of my tongue without a second thought. And it was said something to the lines of like, you're so annoying. Can you just leave me alone? And like when those words fell out of my mouth, I just was like stopped in my tracks and I kind of just honestly fell to my knees and just burst into tears because I was just couldn't believe, I couldn't believe they'd like come out of my mouth, like words that I didn't even know. I didn't even know that my body had remembered. And Mm. so it was kind of like this whole, like, I don't know, like this inner childhood thing just like came to the, came to the surface. And I said, you know, I need to actually do some, do some kind of research and some inner child healing stuff, which was a whole new world that I hadn't entered into. Mm. So yeah, it was just, I, yeah, I started learning about emotional intelligence and just reading all the books I could get. Um, and that's when I started learning about calming corners and the mm. benefits of them. And um, I saw some resources in America, but I just didn't have the money to like pay for shipping and everything like that. And um, we're Māori at home and I wanted to be able to have some bilingual resources to help um, help us learn Māori and stuff and my children as well. So I kind of 
just had the idea um, to just create my own and see if I could mm. do it myself. And so I did. And I there was kind of a gap in the market here in New Zealand and I could see there was a need for it and just thought, you know, why not? And yeah, yeah. that's how that's how it all started. That's incredible. I would love you to tell us a little bit more about these calming corners and like what that actually looks like, what you do, what you help families with, because it's so interesting. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be just a corner, obviously, any space in your home that you can dedicate to being a place for time-ins instead of time-out. So mm. time-out being forced isolation um, and then time-ins being a place where you can co-regulate. So mm. um, co-regulate being when you and your child can help each other regulate their emotions. So anytime you can use it for so many different reasons. In our household, we use them for obviously when your child is becoming dysregulated, you mm. go there and you're able to help them. Um, so there's, sorry, I'm like all over the place. Like, <laughs> I'm like rambling <laughs> on, but there's, there's five steps to emotional intelligence. First being self-awareness, self-regulation, um, social skills, motivation, and empathy. So those are the five key components of emotional intelligence. And in a calming corner, you can help them develop all of those skills. Um, there's a feelings poster. So that obviously helps them build their emotional vocabulary, being able to identify and label how they're feeling. Mm. Um, so when you're able to identify and label your emotions, it actually helps those emotions dissipate. Um, mm. They call it name it to tame it is something that they, a slogan that they use in the emotional intelligence world. Yeah. Um, and then there's a calming strategies poster, which um, just has really simple calming strategies that you, that you can do with your child. So we'd take our um, children there and then they're able to tell us how they're feeling, which is great because they're, they're visual, they're very visual. So if they're not able to or not wanting to like vocalize it, they can just point and things like that, which is really helpful at times. Mm. Um, another great thing about the resources is that they're all – color coded into the zones of regulation so um how do i do explain that simply so when we're feeling emotion it's just energy so that's why it's it's just energy in motion which is emotion energy in motion so we're always feeling a, some type of energy so it's either um the blue zone, the blue feelings, what we like to call them, is the low energy, unpleasant feelings. The red feelings are the high energy, unpleasant feelings. Yellow feelings are high energy, pleasant feelings. And then the green feelings are low energy, pleasant feelings. So mm. it's also helping us and our children change the vocabulary from are you feeling bad or good, positive or negative, but it's just are you feeling pleasant or unpleasant and are you feeling high energy or low energy? And when we're able to help them identify that, we're able to help them choose a calming strategy that's more suited to help them regulate. So, for example, if they're feeling a really unpleasant high-energy red zone feeling, you'd want to choose a calming strategy that's for high energy, like jumping, dancing, like getting their energy out as opposed mm. to like going down for a nap or something or like lying down or doing like a more low-energy calming kind of thing. Wow. Um, I've just rambled on completely. I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I have so many questions I want to ask you. And I'm like, where do I start? Because it's just such a, I mean, I had like Louis is 13 months. So we haven't really 
got into that space yet of like the big emotions, but I know we're kind of starting to get closer. So I guess maybe when do you, is there like an average time for when you start to see these emotions come out of kids? Like what's some, like with the families that you work with, what is a common age that you start seeing that these techniques should be implemented? Like when should we start introducing these things? Yes, great question. I get that question often. Um, So we usually say around, honestly, it's never too early to start. I always say that, but where you're able to kind of, like around two is a really good mm. age where they're able to start communicating or you'll find mm. that they're wanting to communicate but don't have the words for it. And so it's a really hard time for them and they just become a lot more frustrated and you'll find there's a lot more tantrums and meltdowns around the one and a half, two. Mm. Um, we started using the resources with my son when he was about two and a half and I found that was a really good age where he was just kind of been able to go straight into it. Whereas with my daughter, like she's just been around the whole time since she was you know, born, but it was really, um, really awesome to see even when she was around, like, I want to say 10 months, like she would understand when she was upset and she would still now, but when she was 10 months old, she would, she would run there and just start pointing to <laughs> pointing oh to some God. feelings and things. Yeah, it was really, so it, I'd say it's never too early to start, but I'd say if you wanted a certain age, just to say, I'd say around 18 months too, mm. um, just because that's when they want to start communicating and are not able to kind of vo- like verbalize it. So they're able to point and use the visuals more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's never too early to start. I'd say Yeah. Um, like, even if like, like just how we, how we help our children like identify objects around the house. Like this is a brush, this is a book or whatever they, they're able to, like we, we should be able to say, you know, I can see your shoulders are slumped and your lips pouting. You must be feeling sad or just helping them build that emotional vocabulary um, so that when we do start trying to help them through their emotions, they're able to kind of like identify things a bit quicker and things like that, which is, yeah. So I'd say around two, but it's never too early to start. Yeah. Even just like the language, right, and using the colours, like that's such a good strategy. Maybe like with the you mentioned it earlier, like regulating ourselves so that we can help them regulate. I think this is probably, like you mentioned it, it was something you'd never thought you would see come out of yourself. Like what sort of things can we start doing as parents before we enter that phase or if we're in that phase, like how, what are some tools that you work through to regulate our own emotions? Because it sounds like that's a pretty important part of it all. Yeah, I'd say it's probably the most important part of it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a really um, humbling mind shift for parents, I feel like, because we've, we've grown up, we've grown up thinking as children ourselves, thinking, you know, it's our, it's the children's emotions that are the problem. Like that, mm-hmm. like I get parents coming to me all the time saying, you know, my son's behavior is making me feel this way or my son's behaviors like running the household and things like that, where it's actually really humbling to realize, you know, it's actually ourselves as parents and the way that we're able to either react unconsciously to their behavior or respond consciously. And what I mean by that is if we're able to pause and then make a decision about how we're going to go into our children's behavior, or as if we're just reacting straight away, unconsciously, not even thinking about it, we'll find, yeah. So it's a really humbling mind shift. So I'd say, that's kind of the first step we need to take is understanding, you know, it's our ability as parents to regulate our emotions and empathize and connect with our child. That's going to change literally everything in the home. Mm. Um, and that all starts with 
our core beliefs. Um, it's a really big topic, but I won't go into it just because I'm conscious of time. But when we become dysregulated, our inner voice, we don't realize it, but our inner voice is saying things to us. And when, we're, when we listen to that, it's harder for us. Like when we have those negative core beliefs, we're more likely to choose negative coping strategies. Whereas if we have positive core beliefs, we're able to choose positive or more healthy coping mechanisms. Um, so for example, if you're feeling dysregulated, you'll, and you stop and think, you know, like, what, what am I telling myself right now? A lot of the times would be like, good mums don't feel this frustrated at their children. Or if I was really a good mum, I wouldn't be so angry right now. And then it's stopping and questioning that and saying, you know, is this actually a true statement? And it's then saying, challenging that and saying, no, I'm a great mum who's just having a moment where I've got lack of support and unmet needs. And this mm. is a sign that I need to show some love for myself right now. Um, and that's, it's really hard to do that, but I'd say, yeah, challenging, identifying and challenging your core beliefs would be one. And then next would be, um, this is something that I talk a lot about on my, uh, my social media and I use every day in my life is using a um, scale of zero to 10. So, Zero is being when you're feeling absolutely calm and relaxed. Ten is being when you're like about like to lose the plot and snap. Yeah. Um, and so at any point of the day, you should be able to or work towards being able to understand where you are on that scale. And a lot of the times as parents, um, we we like start trying to regulate when we're at like at eight, nine, ten, which just isn't really f- like – it's so difficult to regulate and pause that your emotions when you're at that just about to blow. So it's, it's being able to identify within ourselves when we become like a five, five, six, seven on that scale. Mm. It's so much easier for us to stop and regulate um, at that stage. So it's, it's actually really hard to be able to identify that. Like I, I've had mm. a lot of parents come to me and say, I feel like I'm just going from zero to a hundred or zero to 10 and just snapping mm. like from one moment to the next. And if we actually stopped and looked back and went throughout their day, they were able to actually say, oh, no, I actually, this was when I was at like a five, six, seven, and I didn't stop then. I just kind of like tried to push through it, and then I ended up being at like a 10 and snapping. Mm. Um, so that would be that would be really helpful. Um, something that we can do to be able to gain that and develop that self-awareness is there's a couple things. First would be to um, – Honestly, I know a lot of parents don't want to hear it, but like yoga and meditation is like <laughs> one, of, one of the most helpful ways because you're sitting apart time every day to check in with your body and breathe and you just become more aware of how your body's feeling. And so when you're able to dedicate that time on the mat, you're able to um, implement that throughout the day when you're not on the mat. That's been the most helpful for me. Another thing I've done with parents is sitting um, about – four or five alarms throughout the day and when that alarm goes off whatever you're doing pausing and checking you know where am I at on the scale Mm. Um, and even if you're at like a yeah wherever you are just stopping and breathing and noticing how your body feels and the more we practice that the more we're able to um, it just becomes more part of our day like sometimes even just during the day when I'm cooking or cutting a a, a carrot or whatever I don't know like I just naturally stop and say like how, where am I on the scale and if I feel like I'm at a five six seven I'll actually go to the uh, peaceful place myself and I'll go there and just do something quick to regulate and a lot of the times my kids will come with me and they'll see me using the space and mm. it's great modeling it's absolutely like it's wonderful modeling to our children of you know just 
how to regulate your emotions and identify them and they love it and they like love helping me regulate and joining in and then they're able to see that space as a positive space and want to use that space for themselves Mm. um yeah I really like that because it's actually interesting you're saying that I was thinking I was like quite often like the days they're just so busy and frantic and then it gets to like one of Louis like a nap I'm putting Louis down for a nap or bedtime and I'm sitting there reading a story with him and it's really calm and I I actually find myself really enjoying, like, obviously I enjoy it of spending time with Louie, but from an emotional perspective, I'm like, oh, this feels so good just to sit here and read a book. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I could actually have done this like earlier in the day. Why well, is associated <laughs> with his bedtime? But I guess yeah. that's kind of what you're saying as well. Like if I had checked in earlier in the day and actually realized like, whoa, I'm quite overstimulated and tired and maybe just sitting down and, reading a book with Louie would be really good for me right now, but I probably have just pushed through it to the end of the day. Yeah, 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 I hear you. But it's cool that you were able to notice it, though. Yeah. And able to feel that in your body. Oh, I love it. I like sitting in his room and it's like, you know, it's dark because we're getting ready for bed. I'm like, yeah. oh goodness, I could just stay here for a while. What are some other, you know, obviously using the space is really good to demonstrate that behavior as well. What are some other things? If we say, like, we check in with ourselves and we're like, oh, I'm feeling like a six, seven. The kids are kind of really getting to me. I'm starting to feel like I'm going up the scale quickly. What are some other things we can do to kind of stop that in its tracks? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And every situation is different. Um, This kind of goes into something I like to call doing little hitters or big hitters. And what I mean by that is when like we're with our kids, there's all the things that I'd really love to do to regulate, I can't do with them, like going mm. for a really intense run or like workout mm. or whatever. I can't, I can't do that. And those yeah. would be some of my big hitters. And what I mean by that is if I'm feeling it like a seven, I know that that will bring me down to like a two, but mm. I can't do that. And a lot of the things with our kids are just called little hitters. So for example, um, like just connecting them with anyway, playing with them, doing it, having like a dance party with them, um, reading a book with them, those things I know will bring me back down from like a six to like a four. And even mm. though that's not like ideal, it's it's enough for me to kind of make it through the day without yelling. And some days I feel like I'm just bouncing between a six and a four like <laughs> all day, but but it's enough that I never I never go over the edge and I'm able to like just hang on till my husband comes home some days and then do something mm. like a big hitter. But um, any any time I'm feeling like a six, seven, eight, nine, even, and I and I and I can feel that within myself. I'll stop, and I what I call the three C's. So center, connect, and then communicate. So center would be um, saying something like, you know, it's understandable that I'm feeling this frustrated. Like I, mm. it's okay to it's okay to feel this way. Finding some empathy for yourself is really the first step, um, and then finding some empathy for your child is the next step. So just breathing and trying to put yourself in his shoes or whatever, if it's like a situation um, that's why you're becoming dysregulated, finding some empathy for your child is like the absolute game changer because then you're able to connect genuinely with them. Mm. Um, And when we're able to connect genuinely with them through either just coming with them, putting a hand on their shoulder and watching what they're doing or just going up to them, giving them a hug or whatever, then you're able to communicate. And when they feel the warmth from you, they're actually able to listen to what you're saying. Whereas a lot of the times we'll just go straight to communicating without centering or, con- or connecting with them. Mm-hmm. And then they're not even 
it's just going one one ear out the other because they're just they just aren't responding. They don't respond to the cold um, disconnect that's coming from yeah. you, even though you feel like you might be saying all the right things. It's it's not warm and it's not empathetic and it's not understanding and they and they feel that and they feel your energy that you have and so um, yeah, center, connect, communicate would be like I every single situation you go into, you do those three things and you'll notice like an absolute turnaround in, in the way that they respond to you. That's amazing. It's it's even just in the like few strategies you've already mentioned, I can just see like it comes like it seems like it comes down to the fact that we re, re our moods and how we're like acting and responding they're so in tune with us and they're like we you know I feel like toddlers get this rap for being you know they've got these big emotions big feelings like tantrum yeah. but I mean how much of that is like a developmental thing for toddlers and how much of that is actually coming from us exactly yeah <laughs> yeah I, so yeah. yeah it's 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 yeah it's it's just i get like really into like fight about this question because it's, yeah. it's it's really it's really sad because it's just how we've been raised a lot of us like i don't think a lot of us can recall times from our child like our childhood that our emotions too were, were responded in empathetic and understanding ways. So it's hard for us to respond that way to our children. We're raised with, you know, children should be seen, not heard, and um, all of that kind of rhetoric. And so it's it's really hard. Children aren't born knowing how to regulate their emotions. It's something that needs – it's a skill that needs to be modelled and taught. And mm. majority of the time it's not something that we're modelling to our children. And so – they are looking to us a lot of the times asking for that help in ways that is not, what's the word? Like a toddler screaming at you frustrated is really just a plea saying, you know, like I've got all this frustration in my body. How do I deal with this? Like, please show me, tell me how I I've never felt this intense emotion in my body before. Mm. And that's the only way that they can react to that is through, like fear, frustration, tears, and they're met with rejection, shame, no, like it's just really sad. So yeah. a lot of it just comes down to developmental, like they don't, they don't know how to regulate their emotions. They need to be modelled and taught. Um, and then a lot of the time is, um, yeah, it's, it's how we're reacting to them um, mm. and to their emotions. It's just we're, we're um, what's the word, we're not de-escalating. We're actually doing the opposite of that. And, um, yeah. It's so, yeah, because when you're, I, like, I'm, I'm, like I've mentioned, we're not quite at the, this, this phase yet with Louie, but I can imagine if they're, you know, having a full tantrum, you're, like, my reaction, I think, in that moment would be to get angry. But that's mm-hmm. obviously the complete, <laughs> that's going to yeah. just make the situation so much worse. But, Obviously, this like you can do. You can have all these techniques. You can do all these things. But I'm assuming tantrums will, will still happen, and it can still be hard to regulate yourself in those moments. So, like, have you experienced that yourself? And like, what do you do? Because I can imagine there's a lot of guilt as well when it, you like you're reacting in a way. And you're like, I shouldn't have reacted in that way. So yeah. How, how do you kind of in your own experience? How do you manage that? When I react. Yes. Yeah, asking like if I yeah, so that like I think that's a part of it is like no one is perfect, no parent is perfect. There's no perfect parenting. We're always going to 
have moments where we don't respond the best way and that's just yeah that's just a part of parenting and I do feel a lot of guilt especially now that I'm a parent coach I always feel like oh my gosh like what am I doing <laughs> like I shouldn't have done that or this isn't this is definitely not what I like teach and stuff like that but just knowing you know like repairing the relationship with your child is probably the most important um, thing about parenting being able to apologize genuinely so if I do have a moment and they do happen um, more often than I'd like to admit um, it's I always just wait until I'm able to genuinely feel like I can apologize and mean it (laughs) Mm. Um, and sometimes that's not till the end of the day and sometimes it's not till an hour or two after the moment's happened but a lot of the times we'll go to our um, peaceful place and I'll just say, you know, Eli, I really shouldn't have spoken to you that way before. I, I'm, I was feeling frustrated and it's, although it's okay for me to feel that way, it's not okay for me to, to speak to you that way. And then just ask him how he felt in that moment and making sure he's able to offload any um, unmet or yeah, unmet needs or um, feelings, feelings that he had. Um mm. Or even sometimes if I'm in like a five, six, seven and I'm and I'm really like overwhelmed and overstimulated, but it's not anything to do with him, I'll say, you know, I know that you can hear the stress coming out of my voice. It's I want you to know it's not you. I'm not feeling angry at you. I've just got a lot on my mind at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, because a lot of the times they can feel like it's their fault and things like that. And sometimes it's, it's got nothing to do with them. It's just we've just had a hard day and we're feeling really tired and just – just communicating it in the moment I feel like is, is really helpful. Um, but yeah, those moments happen all the time and it's just about knowing, you know, it's, 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 it's funny because a lot of the times I've, I've responded in ways that I'm really happy with that I wouldn't have been able to do two years ago, but I don't stop and say, Oh, that's good on me. Like I don't celebrate those moments, but I'll absolutely mm-hmm. beat myself up for that one moment that I, I snapped or whatever. And so it's changing. It's being able to celebrate the small wins and knowing that, you know, Dr. Um, what's her name? Dr. Nicole Lepeta, she did a, she shared some statistics saying, you know, if you even react to your child 60% of the time in a responding in a, in a um, empathetic understanding way, that's enough for your child to, to grow up to be an emotionally stable person 60% of the time. Wow. And so it's knowing that as well, you know, I don't have to get this right a hundred percent of the time for them to grow up to still um, be securely attached and have all those emotional intelligence skills. And um, yeah. So, so true. And it's like you said, we are so hard on ourselves. Like we, you know, we can have the best day and remember like the thing that we're kind of stewing over that night is the one thing that you didn't think as well at, but like there were so many, highs that day as well and even if it's just like improving the way you responded you don't have to get it you know perfect but just even improving is something that should be kind of acknowledged and being like yeah like I did better that time yeah yeah for sure what are some like daily practices or routines that you kind of do in your family or suggest with families that you work for to kind of help you know, with tuning into our emotions, making sure we're, you know, starting the day on the right foot, I guess, even if we wake yeah. up feeling absolutely not like we can do well that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That happens to me a lot. I just, yeah, uh, there's a, there's a few things actually. So a lot of it is um, in terms of making sure that our house is kind of as harmonious as we want it to be is a lot of it is just 
preventive pre- preventative things. So making sure that you have quality time with your kids would be one of the absolute main ones. And I'm not saying you have to like go spend lots of money and go out for an hour with each child, but even if it's just 10 minutes with each children, um, mm. that just absolutely meets so many of their unmet needs. And um, yeah, that would be one of the main ones is making sure you're having quality time um, as a family. Another one would be, self-care and I know I I get so sick of everyone talking about self-care I really do (laughs) it's like because it's just all the same things but it really is one of the biggest differences like when I talked about that scale before of zero to ten because we like to think of it as like each number being its own equal little section but the reality is the more time we take for self-care like our green zone or our zero to four zone can be like humongous like an enormous enormous amount um the more time we actually put into self-care for ourselves, we're able to have that reservoir of like um, patience and um, yeah, that build up. You'll find everyone's build up to that snapping is, is some of people's are just really short and some actually have like a huge, a huge amount of patience. And a lot of that comes down to how we were brought up, but a a lot of it does come and we can increase it by um, taking some time for ourselves and I always want to be that parent who can wake up before their kids and you know work out or have a tea or something but I just I'm not (laughs) I'm not that parent yet but I want to be and I admire the parents who can do that and I noticed um, a huge difference in how they're able to have more patience throughout the day when they take that time in the morning but for me I also if I wake up and I'm already feeling like I'm at a seven and I know that it's going to be a really hard day I have um some noise reducing earplugs that I put on my ears um so it's not like I'm blocking I I say this to some parents and they're absolutely horrified it's quite funny they're thinking like oh you just and it's not like I can't hear anything it's just they're called loop earplugs the brand I use there's a lot of different ones but it's just like you're turning down the volume slightly I can still hear everything but it's just the volumes turned down so that has been super helpful for me and I'm able to like if I wake up at a seven and my son like has a tantrum at breakfast I'm able to actually stay there and be present and help him through that just because it's less um it's just less triggering for me because of the earplugs that I have in um another one would be um this doesn't have to be daily but at least weekly would be family something I call family meetings so it doesn't have to be super formal but you just sit down as a family and everyone and this is really great for the weekends like if you've got things that everyone wants to do in the weekend everyone can sit down and say what their needs and wants are for that day or for the weekend um and it's really great opportunity for everyone to feel heard and for yeah everyone's needs and wants to be met um if you're able to fit it in that day and um it's really great for your children to learn to understand what the difference is between and what a need is and what a want is um Mm. that's something that i have found works really well um with just the harmony and peace in the home um what would we love that idea because i'm such like a planner and i like to know what's like what's going to be happening on the day like i'm never been a go with the flow sort of person like i do like to kind of know what's coming and i think even as a kid mum said i was like that so I can imagine as well for (laughs) that's cool they like to know like what they're going to be doing that day and like having a meeting like that would kind of give them that piece of like okay so today we're going to be doing this this and this and like just yeah yeah knowing what lies ahead as well I think 
obviously yeah, then, change but yes yes and then it's really great for them to just have the opportunity for their voice to be heard as well and then, even if yeah. they're like a three-year-old and they just want to say can we can we like and a lot of the times they'll bring in the fun and and sometimes we don't realize fun is actually a need for children and so um yeah it's really great for them to feel heard um another thing was be making sure that as often as you can is having meals together at the dinner table is a huge one um i know obviously everyone's work schedules are different but even if it's just once a day just breakfast or dinner just making sure you're eating together at the table with no distractions um another important one would be connecting so anytime you have physical or emotional separation you want to make sure when you come back together there's that time for connection so after school or after kindy um after you come home from work, just spending even five minutes to like really just give your full attention to your child and connect yeah. with them. And you'll find that when you do take that time, the rest of the day goes a lot smoother. Mm. I really, yeah, that's, it's interesting you say this because this is literally yesterday I had this experience where my husband Luke was away for work. So I was on the kind of like getting Louis up, getting him ready, getting him off to daycare, getting myself ready and getting to work. So I got him up, he was happy as, but I very much was running through my head of everything I needed to do to get us both ready. And after his breakfast, he just was really, really grisly at me. And I just couldn't, I I was like, what's wrong? Like, you're not feeling well. Like, he seemed fine. Um, And then, you know, just grizzled the whole morning, which was not like him. And then it was, sorry, he wasn't going to daycare. He was with my mum for the day. Mm -hmm. And my mum picked him up, he went off. And I messaged her a little bit later, being like, oh, how is he? Like, is he okay? And she's like, he's absolutely fine. Like, he's normal, happy Louie. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, and now you're saying this. And I'm like, I'm wondering if it's because he was sensing from me that I just was, like, not there. Like, I was running through Mm -hmm. my to-do list of what I needed to get done and not really being present. So he started grizzling because he was, Mm -hmm. like, wanted more from me. Like, do you actually think Mm -hmm. he would know that at that sort of age or is he actually just having a grizzle um I think it could be a lot of different things <laughs> I definitely <laughs> think it could be I definitely think it could be like all like we like all children's behavior is driven from needs and feelings and um other miss or information that they don't understand so it could be a, a mixture of all of those things mm. um but definitely yeah they they definitely can sense and feel the energy that we have um yeah. so yeah I would definitely say say yeah it could be Oh could be. Goodness. I have a such. I have a scenario for you, and I'd love to know like what your advice would be to do in that situation because it's one I think we hear about a lot. And like, I've not experienced it, but I probably did it as a kid. It's like you're in the supermarket, you're doing the groceries, and your child asks for a certain something, which you say no, like we're not having that today, mm-hmm. and they start throwing a tantrum. Yeah. How do you? respond in that environment because you don't want to just say oh fine we'll grab it just to kind of like you know yeah 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 how do you also not make a massive scene and re like react and it just escalates like what would you do in that sort of scenario yes this has happened many times to me in my real life um so I think a lot of parents especially peaceful parenting gentle parenting and like all those different names Mm. you want to call it it does get a bad rap because people do assume it with um, permissive parenting, which is kind mm-hmm. of what you're alluding to there. So permissive parenting is when you've got no boundaries. 
um, you kind of let your children do whatever they want and things like that. Whereas with peaceful parenting, um, there's boundaries and um, there's 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 rules and expectations and things like that. And so, but you just do it lovingly. So if if for example, my child um, really wanted something, and I said, like really firmly, I understand that you really want this. Um, like I know that you love it, but it's it's not going to be happening happening. And it, and it's always kind of understanding that when our children cry and have tantrums to a boundary that we've set, it's a really natural response for them to be able to express those griefs and disappointments um, through tears and knowing that those tears are actually a sign that their body and their brain has registered, you know, and accepted something's not going the way that I want it to. And I'm releasing that energy through, through tears. And there's actually like toxins and stress hormones that are released through those tears um, so it's actually a really good sign that they're coming to terms with coming to terms with it, and that children have a really wonderful, natural, um, innate ability to bring themselves back to balance when they're able to offload through tears. Um, so knowing that is just it helps me. Mm. It helps me stay calm, knowing that their tears is their tears. Uh, it's not a sign of defiance. It's it's just a natural way that they're showing their griefs and disappointments and frustrations. And so sometimes we like to walk on eggshells and kind of tiptoe around the boundaries that you want to set in fear of upsetting them. But mm. the more we're able to just be straight and um, like to the point, like sometimes if, if I want to turn the TV or like turn the TV off and he wants to turn it back on and I definitely say, I say, um, sorry, I need to slow down. <laughs> I say, <laughs> it's definitely not happening today. We're definitely not going to be turning back on. I know you really want to, but it, it's, definitely won't be happening today so he kind of knows 100 percent. there's no negotiating here like it's definitely not happening then it kind of brings him to that wall quicker and he's able to deal with those frustrations and i'm able to be there with him to help him through that so if we were at the supermarket it's always hard because it's in public i've got yeah. really bad social anxiety <laughs> and so um people's eyes on me and everything i really have to try hard just to be present with my son and i'm, I'm getting a lot better at it now but if you're so in attention i'll just I'll just do what I do at home, really. I'll just say I, it's understandable that you're feeling frustrated about that. It's definitely not going to be happening. We, we'll, I'll be putting it back. And then if he's like starts being aggressive towards me at all, I'll just say I'm not going to let you hit me. And because we're in a public space and I just am so socially anxious, it's I feel like it's totally okay to just either pick him up or, and take him outside if, if that's mm. what's needed. Or just um, if he's not being aggressive and he's just crying, just I'll just help him through that and either give him a hug or just be like, it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. I'm here to help you or it's okay to cry and, and stuff like that. And I find the more I'm able to empathize and understand and help him know that it's understandable to feel that way, the quicker he's actually able to come back to balance. Um, and the tears actually don't last as long as they would if I was, yeah, if mm. I wasn't doing that. So interesting as well because it's like, yeah, like as parents when they're kind of like that, we feel this like embarrassment and like, oh, my goodness, like I like everyone's looking at me and it's like yeah. <laughs> it's such a normal thing. Like if anything, you know, people just looking at you being like, oh, gosh, that sucks. Like, you know, like you're, yeah. you know, kind of feeling sympathy for you. They're not thinking like, oh, my God, look at this awful parent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we just immediately think that and feel like self-conscious. Yeah, it was interesting the other day I – um. I was in public. We were going for a walk down the footpath and um, they, my son and my daughter were in um, the pram and we have a double pram and they were sharing a toy and they mm. were taking turns. And when it was my son's turn to finish with the toy, 
he was like not happy about it and he was he started having a tantrum which was fine Mm. um and so i got down to his level and i was helping him with that setting the limit you're saying you know i'm not going to let you not share with your sister because blah 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 Mm. and this elderly woman just out of nowhere i didn't know her at all came up to my son came down to the level that we were at and went up to him and said if you don't stop crying this is in a really harsh tone too so if you don't Mm -hmm. stop crying you see that letter she was put and then she pointed to the um mailbox the like the career the big career ones and she pointed to that letter she said you see that letter box over there your parents are going to put you in there and leave you there this is this is this was two weeks ago and i looked at her and i was like just i was speechless because i couldn't believe that she had the audacity to do that but then i was just like I could feel myself getting really dis- like really feeling like I was going to snap at her and I was conscious yes. that Eli was right there and I wanted to model to him about how to like handle that situation but I was just like I just was silent. luckily my husband jumped in and was like no we would we would never do that and then she's like well he needs to learn his boundaries and then <laughs> and then um, I was just I was about to lose it in that moment so I just picked Eli up and we walked away and I went to a different moment and just held him and um, just helped him like deal with his, how he was feeling but and then my husband oh. stayed back and was talking to her and I was just like, Oh my goodness, are you absolutely kidding me? But I shared it on my Instagram and I had a couple of parents message saying that they were at the supermarket and their children were were crying and stuff and they had had similar experiences where older the older generation had come and said to them, you know, like control your kids or things like that. Oh. And one mum shared that she had that experience and um she said, thank you, like, I'm, I've got the situation under control, please mind your business. And she yeah. then went around, she went around to the next aisle and just broke down into tears. Mm. Um, and then uh, luckily another another mum who were, who had seen it went, then went and bought her a coffee and like came over to her and just said, you know, you're doing a great job and you, know, you did the right thing. And I thought that was really, yeah, really heartwarming, but... I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, how would I respond to that? But the reality is, like you said, it's like, most of the time when something like that happens, you're in such shock that it's happening that yeah. you can't respond it the way. You think of these things after, but I should have said this or I should have yeah. said that. But, like, in the moment, you're just, like, almost stunned that someone yeah. feels the need to get involved. And also, like, it's that whole generation, though, and, like, you know, a bit of a generalization here, but it was kind of that, like, you created boundaries by having fear. Like, it was this, yeah. like... And that's that's just what they did, and that's like not how yeah. we do things now. But like, yeah, I can so see how in that moment you'll just be like, "Oh my goodness, I can't, yeah. I can't believe this is actually happening." Yeah, I, I was really, yeah, definitely one of those moments. I was just speechless. But it is, yeah, just and it, I, I'm trying to find some empathy because I'm all about empathy. I was trying to find some empathy yeah. for them, knowing like you know that's they like when they when people know better, they can do better, and that's just not how they were raised. And um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, like I always try to say, because with all this parenting things comes a conversation of like childhood trauma and like how we and all that kind of breaking cycles and stuff, which is which is really important. But Mm. there's a fine line, I think, between blaming our parents for how we turned out and then just knowing that like we just we're just learning and evolving, and we Mm. have a lot. We have so much more data and research than they ever had, and um, yeah, it's just about learning and evolving and not blaming and. Um, yeah, blaming the generations before us because they they were breaking cycles of their own. Like I know my mum heard my my kuro, my granddad. He used to get beaten with like fence posts and chains. And um, oh my, my mum 
although he he never did that to my mum, he did mm. hit them and he did yell at them. And then my mum, to us, she did yell at us and hit us really. But she like the, each generation is trying to break cycles, and I'm able to be where the parent I am today because my mum was breaking cycles of her own, mm. even though even though it still wasn't ideal. A lot of the situations weren't ideal of of what we'd do today. It is it is important to note that they they did well they didn't break all the cycles they definitely broke some and yeah yeah I think that's a really good way to think about it as well and like I think you know like smacking is such a controversial topic now but probably 20-30 years ago not controversial at all would you say yeah yeah for sure it was definitely the way to to handle things people Mm. just didn't realize the um emotional mental effects that it would have on generations like to come and like the intergenerational trauma that it would, that, that would carry on. But yeah, people just didn't have the resources and, and the strategies and things that we have today. Um, yeah. That's correct. That's probably a whole nother conversation in itself. I've, yeah, I've yeah. <laughs> my toe in there, but I mean, I would um, also a question that it came up when I did a question box um, that someone would love your thoughts on is, and I, I'm, you would have experienced this, I'm sure, when you became pregnant with your second baby. But how do we prepare and talk to children about siblings that are going to be coming along? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so there's a, there's a few things I'd say. One would be involving the older children as much as possible in the preparation. So helping them pick out, like, the nursery decor or the clothes or – um special toys or anything like that another thing would be minimizing because it's such a big change for them that's going to come it would be minimizing other huge changes within like three months before baby's born so like Mm. if if you're going if they're going to be needing new rooms or going to new schools or like it's actually hilarious how many mums I've met including myself every pregnancy they've ever moved house or like (laughs) moved somewhere or something like that um just trying to minimize those huge changes like three months before. So if you needed go, if they needed new rooms or new beds or new things like anything like that, it would be trying to like do it earlier in the pregnancy rather than later. Um, Mm. Just to minimize the massive amount of changes that are going to be happening in their life. Um, Same thing with toilet training. I know that was a mistake that I made because my children are like nearly they're like nearly three years apart. They're like two and a bit years. And mm. I was so adamant on trying to help Eli um, be like fully toilet trained before Lyra was born because I knew that like the, some of the government funding would stop at three. And so I was like, we need to get him out of nappies before like before. And it was, I rushed it completely and it was just total disaster. And um, it was like, <laughs> so that, that was fine. So yeah, it's just minimizing changes even like that. Like if just, just, yeah. Um, something else I would say, obviously, um, a real common one is just read, like reading books with them. Something I found helpful also was, and I know this wouldn't be for every situation. I know some people don't name their children until after the child's born or find out the gender even, but we found out our gender, um, at 20 weeks and we had picked out a name. And so we started calling, um, Lyra while she, while I was pregnant with her, we started calling her Lyra and referring to her as Lyra and, um, saying, you know, instead of saying, our like my baby I'd say our baby is coming soon or just including Mm. him in that and he referred to her as Lyra so when he met Lyra Mm. in person it was like really easy for him to say oh that's Lyra or Mm. it was it was that that transition was easier for him to kind of come to grips with um 
something that I've heard that I thought was I didn't do, which I, if I could do it again or when I do it again, would be when they do get introduced to the baby, um, would be trying to make sure that your hands are free because I know a lot of times parents like are holding the baby when the child comes and they don't have arms free to kind of embrace their older child in that moment. Mm. So either having the baby either held by like maybe if it's dad even or having the baby like on, on in the bassinet or something like that so they're able to come and you're able to like embrace and still have that physical connection with the older child in that moment is really important to them. Um, but I didn't learn about that till after <laughs> After I had my second, so I I will be yeah I think that that that's a that's an important one. So yeah, um, that's a good point as well because yeah, what you're saying about touch and emotions as well, like that's so important for them in such a big moment to be able to touch you and be held by you. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. <sighs> oh, all these little things that I'm like, oh, they're such like when you say them, they're like somewhat not obvious but like they make so much sense but yeah. it's just something that you actually have to learn if this is something you want to do because it doesn't necessarily come naturally either like like you say with yeah. like emotions we just react but if you understand it a little bit better I guess you can just maybe have a split second before you react in those sorts of kind of scenarios um yeah what would you say like in your household, in your family, like what is your approach to parenting and like what do days look like for you with the kids? Like you mentioned you you obviously run your business, but you're at you you're a stay at home mom. Like what is the what does a day look like for you? How do you kind of manage all of that? And I guess I'm getting at like the mental load of parenting. How do you how do you manage that in amongst your day? Yeah, it's definitely something I'm still I'm not, yeah, I don't feel like I have 100% down-packed in, like, my approach to it all. Like, in terms of, like, everything that I have going on behind the scenes, I could, I definitely couldn't do it without my husband. Um, when it all started, I feel like, because it's been nearly two years now, I feel like we've just got a really good partnership where I've been able to communicate effectively how he can best help me. Um, mm. I feel like at the start, it wasn't really that way. I, I didn't communicate effectively about what I needed and um, all of that came down to me wishing that he would just see what needed to be done and do it and he and he did that but it wasn't the things I actually needed and for example like if with the like my small business isn't the business that I'm that I'm doing the, the first thing that gets left out is like the housework my house is not as clean as I wish it would be or that I'd like it to be especially because I'm like a clean freak um, mm. And so when like my hubby would come home and I'd be cooking dinner, the house would be a mess, but I was really overstimulated at that time. And I really would just would have rather had him like play with the kids and, and, and keep the kids occupied. So they weren't like nabbing at my legs and things like that, but mm -hmm. he'd come home and see, and see the house needed to be clean. So he'd do that. And whereas the kids would be like screaming, wanting me to hold them and things like that. And so I would get frustrated at that, <laughs> but yeah. he, it, like in any healthy relationship, like knowing that your partner wants to wants to completely help you meet your needs and be there for you, um, and so just trusting that we had some really um, really good conversations around that and like what I actually needed, and so that just came down to me being able to effectively communicate my needs, which is something that a lot of us aren't able to do from our upbringing, especially as women. Like a lot of us just aren't able to do that as effectively as 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 we need. And so 
um, once a week we sit down and we talk about like the things I have going on and, and him as well, what we both have going on that week yeah. and how we can help each other meet our needs. Um, comes down to that kind of family meeting thing I talked about before. So that's yeah. immensely helpful in, in, in um, my day-to-day and just how things go. Um, another thing is that I I don't sleep well. Like I, I suffer from lucid dreams. I have been for the past, Ooh. I want to say, four years, like every night. It just feels like I'm watching a movie. <laughs> like it's absolutely horrendous. It's like yeah. I feel like I, I, I feel like I don't sleep. I wish I could press play in the morning and just watch. Like sometimes it's absolutely just insane. I feel like I don't sleep. So hubby um, does the morning shift for me. So he'll get up when the kids get up and just kind of let me have that extra like 45 minutes to kind of like get out of bed, <laughs> which is mm. super helpful. Um, and he does the breakfast in the morning, and then yeah, then I get up and then he goes to work. Then I. Yeah, Eli goes to kindy three time three times a week, and so when he does that, I'm able to pack my orders and things like that. When Lara goes down for her nap, um, but yeah, there's a really before like in talking about the mental load. There's a really awesome book called Fair Play by what's her name, Eve Rodsky. Oh, um, yeah. It's a really really good book about the mental load. She talks about the um, the mental load carried by mothers, and she goes through the in any typical family, the um, the normal kind of like a hundred tasks in, in any typical household. And then she goes through how to um, distribute the mental load between partners, not necessarily equally, but fairly and what that looks like and yeah. how to talk to your partner about the mental load. It's a really great book I'd recommend in, um, to read. Oh, I love that. And I'll definitely. But, yeah, I don't know if I answer, yeah. Details off that you and I'll put that in the show notes as well so other people can have a read of that. Because I'm all, I think it's probably one of those things that comes with becoming a parent that is that like big change in your life that like instead of just thinking about yourself or your partner, if you have one, or husband, wife, whatever it looks like, you have this whole other human. And like with that, like, yes, there's looking after them, but there's all these other components. And it's just like the million tabs open in the brain is like the best way I think kind of like demonstrates what your brain is like so any tips and tricks on like managing that I think is just like so key because yeah it's constantly trying to learn how to manage it as best as we can and I think as well like I can imagine like if you've got a lot of tabs open in your brain you're feeling completely overloaded and then one of your kids can sense that and has like a tantrum you know it's a bit of a recipe there isn't it yeah, for sure. I think a lot of the times it comes down to, and and this is a really like cutthroat answer, by the way, but um, it, Genevieve, my mentor and teacher, she sits down with a lot of families. I haven't had to do this yet, thank goodness, with any families I've worked with, but she said sometimes families just have too much going on than, than what is necessary and what is um, achievable in the household. Like sometimes we just have too much going on and there's too much stress involved in all of that so sometimes it just takes families looking at what actually they have on their plates and say you know we need to actually we need to actually change some things um i know some families have even gone drastic measures like moving or like changing jobs and things because it's just it's just not working for the house and the, the stress and everything that's involved um like i know that i've had to like cut some projects that i wanted to do just because it was like this just isn't achievable and like if mm-hmm. I want if I want the household to have peace in it like it, I need like yeah we both just kind of had to sit down and like make cutthroat decisions like that but like you said in any normal day-to-day living there's so much tabs that are open like I I'm I've, I've got my laptop open talking to you and there's literally like 
50 tabs at the top and so you're talking like that and I'm like I'm like there's so much things that I'm trying to like trying to do and I'm at a really point now in my business where it's getting so busy which is great but I've it's it's kind of at a moment where I'm like you know first and foremost of my kids and I'm a stay-at-home mom first and so it like putting that in a prior like prioritizing that and it's kind of been sad because I know that if I if I didn't have kids like I would I would be able to like do so many things but like mm-hmm. and, and I've got so many things that I could do that I know I'd get done in like a day but with my kids it's like it takes me like a month to get it done which is just and and obviously I like the only reason I would do any of this is because of my kids and like I yeah I wouldn't want to change it for the world and so I've just had to step back a lot and kind of look at like what am I what are my limitations and things like that which is really hard when I've got all these desires and passions but knowing that you know this is just where my phase of life is at right now and Oh, yeah. I think it's like one of the biggest lessons about becoming well, like there's so many lessons, but yeah, you just you just don't have as much time. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Like you never <laughs> have as much time as you used to have. And sometimes you can have moments like like you said, be like, Wow, if I had all day to just be by myself, I could get all of this done. But yeah, <laughs> it's not my reality. So there's no point like dwelling on that. But mm. I think like I love honest chats like that because it is just one of those things that like, yeah, it would be a lot easier to get everything done, but that's, we wanted to have these beautiful babies and no one ever, ever would want to, you know, change that. But it is just something you have to get your head around and that just takes time. I actually think even though it is cutthroat, like what your mentor said around like actually having to sit families down and say like something's got to give, I think it's quite like it's simple but really good advice because I think we are in this generation and like way of life where we just actually try and bite off more than we can chew essentially um I'm guilty of that I think I think everyone's a little bit you know not everyone but a lot of people are so guilty of that and it's just like we put ourselves in these situations and then we get frustrated by them yeah (laughs) yeah like why am I doing this to myself (laughs) yeah yeah Oh, I would love to – there's so many things we could talk about. I absolutely love chatting to you, but I would love to just kind of finish off and just hear from you around where you're at in your motherhood journey at the moment, what's something you're loving, and maybe what's something that's been a bit more of a challenge for you. That's a great question. Um, I think something that I'm loving in my motherhood journey now, like it just with each of my kids, like just being able to like – just see the wonders of life like through their eyes for the second time like it's just such a my favorite part one of my favorite part is just seeing things that I take for granted every day but that they're witnessing for the first time and just seeing the magic that's in their eyes and just having that magic in my eyes again too like just something simple as like we went for a walk yesterday and there was like a bumblebee or something and my daughter just was like it was just the highlight of her whole life it seemed and I was like just seeing the wonders of life every day and just reigniting that childhood that childhood magic you know it's just absolutely wonderful um and then something I'm finding challenging yeah it's kind of like what we what we were talking about is just fine like juggling like I went to the there was the South Canterbury Business Excellence Awards here and where I live and I was uh, like honored to be a finalist in that we entered the awards and was a finalist and I didn't win in my category but just seeing and being surrounded I've never been in that kind of area before, just business, successful business people and just seeing what it took to get there. And like, I, there was no one there that was 
like a stay at home mum that had kids and was doing it on her own. And um, just seeing like everyone was like all about the hustle and grind 24 seven, got to do it all. Like, and it was just a really moment I had to sit back and say, you know, I'm just not cut out for that. <laughs> and it was just kind of, I'm just coming to terms with it now and just stepping back a little bit from like feeling like I have to show up consistently every day on my social media and like, push for all these certain like milestones and goals of like sales and things and trying to hustle and grind. Like it's just, it's not where I'm at and it's not what I want my motherhood to be like with my kids this young is to not being as present and like stressing myself out and things like that. So I've stepped back a lot. I'm not posting anywhere near as much as I used to, but it means that when I show up, it's more quality and I, and it, and it's fine. And um, yeah. And I'm able to, so that, that that's a juggle and a struggle that I've I've had recently that I'm just working through. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's and I mean amazing, like you said, to be a finalist and be surrounded by all these people, you know, doing amazing things in in their business ventures. But like, yeah, it's like that reflection of like I can't give what they can give right now, and that's yeah. okay. That's the choice <laughs> you're making, but it's still, you know, you need time to kind of like you say come around to the fact that that that's what it is um oh well amazing that you got nominated big congratulations if yeah, thanks. <laughs> to purchase any of your products to like build these rooms in their home or wanting any of your resources or advice what is the best way to kind of get in contact with you or is it instagram or website yeah, so I have my website, so that's littlepeoplebigemotions.co.nz. That's the best way to buy the resources. Um, if yeah. you're wanting to set up, like, coaching would just be to either email me um, and all the contact details on my website and Instagram. But, yeah, Instagram or DM, uh, Instagram DM me would be the best way to get in contact with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, otherwise I, I um, post a lot of free content as well on my Instagram. So if you're just wanting to – yeah, if you find any of this helpful, I talk about this all the time on my Instagram. So just follow along over there or on TikTok. Amazing. And I will tag all of that in the show notes so that people can reach out. I've been following along and just preparing myself so that I have some of these tools in my toolbox when I start, have, like Louis starts having these emotions. So um, thank you for sharing all that content as well. I just want to say a big thank you for coming on and sharing all your expertise and knowledge. It's been so nice chatting and I hope that we can probably chat again soon because this has just been so much yeah, that'd be awesome. in this space. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Renee. Thank you, Emma. I hope you have a great rest of your day.